What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Somebody want to hit that light back. Shaden, you want to hit that light for me, bud? Good morning to those of you tuning with us online this morning. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We thank you so much for joining with us online. But what we want to do is invite you to come and join us in person next week because there's nothing like being here in person. And if you're tuning with us in some other country, well, you know, I know you can't be here. So God bless you. Thank you for joining with us online this morning. Everybody here, how you guys doing this morning? All right, amen. We're going to be continuing this series, The Journey of Faith. And we've been talking about Saul over the last couple of weeks and soon to be Paul. Um, I think he still references Saul in the text we're going to be getting into today. How many of y'all know that this guy that was killing Christians, persecuting Christians, is the same guy that wrote a third of your New Testament? And is the same guy that had seemed like more converts in that day. They say, they tell us that Paul, next to Jesus, is one person that has had an enormous effect on the world today. And you know how I can prove that to you is that scripture you got hanging on your bathroom wall or in your living room in your house, more than likely, sometimes not, came from an epistle that Paul wrote. Paul wrote things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of y'all know that verse? Most people know that verse. Sometimes it gets taken out of context, but there's a verse there because we can truly do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen? Amen. Paul wrote, now I'm not going to go through a bunch of quotes. Let's go to our key passage in Philippians chapter 3. This morning, you're going to recognize some of these verses as well. Uh, Verses 12 to 14, I've been reading out of the NIV for this series. So uh, if you're tuning with us online, that's the translation I'm using if you want to read along with me there. Or just follow along in whatever translation you have. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14 is our key passage for this entire series. And it talks about pressing on. Look at your neighbor and say, press. Now say, press on. So sometimes life likes to throw curveballs, amen? Y'all understand the, was that a metaphor? Is that one of the words I'm looking for? Y'all understand the metaphor? Life throws you a curveball, something you least expected comes your way, and now all of a sudden it feels like your world is falling apart, but it's just simply not true. It's a season. It's a moment. And some of those moments go quicker than other moments, Amen. Philippians tells us there in chapter 3, verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So even Paul himself, the one that wrote that New Testament that you're talking about, third of it, is saying, I haven't even reached it yet. And I believe that any honest pastor or minister would tell you today, I'm not there yet. I'm one. I'll tell you, I'm not there yet. I still got some stuff I'm working out in my own life, amen? But we're pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of 
me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Look at your neighbor. We've done this, I think, every week. Say, forget the past. Look to the future. We've got to be able to let the past go. We've got to be able to leave it behind or God can't take you to another level. You're too busy dwelling in the past of your life. God can't use someone that wants to mourn and what, what we call that, a pity party. Wants to have their own personal pity party where the only guest is you, right? And you're feeling sorry for yourself. He can't use that. Yeah, you may have screwed up big time back here, but that's not what God looks at. What God is looking at is what you're going to do in the future, if you say yes to him, amen? Because he's got plans for all of us, and I believe he's got big plans for all of us, but here's what the Bible tells us. Many are called, but few are chosen. Because there's too many people getting distracted by other things going on in their world, and they're not focused on God. They're watching false prophets or the news, sorry, a.k.a. the news, the mainstream media, tell them, and they're letting them tell them how they should think. What have I told you? And I will not back down from this. You need to turn that junk off and you need to focus on what does God say about you in his word. How do I stay sane in the world I live in? I don't watch the news. Can I be real with you? That or I watch Christian news where they're talking about Christian, they're talking about good things. They mention the bad, but then they talk about the good. News in the spirit of faith. The faith that God is going to deliver this generation. How many of y'all know, and it's been prophesied, America shall be saved. I mean, y'all believe that. It will be saved. America will be saved. We know there is a time coming in the future where there will be a time of tribulation. The devil will have his chance. But not right now. It's not today. Too many people are too busy looking up. Jesus is going to, you should, you know, Jesus said look for his return, right? But you shouldn't be so busy looking up to when he's going to come back that you're missing the world around you. How many people do you run in on to on a daily basis that's dying and going to hell because you won't take the time to talk to him because you're just waiting on Jesus? Stop looking up and start looking around. What's going on in the world around you? See, it, if Jesus comes today before the message is over, I'm good. I'm going with him, right? But if not, he gave me instructions. He said, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So what are we supposed to do? I like we talked about Acts. I don't know if we talked about it in this series, probably the last series, where the disciples were standing around looking up. Jesus just ascended to heaven, and two angels show up out of nowhere and say, what are you looking up for? He told you to go. The same Jesus that you just saw ascend to heaven, he's coming back the same way. But in the meantime, look at the world around you. Amen. Say, it's always about others. Acts chapter 11 is where we're going to be hanging out today as we continue our story with Saul. Remember Saul, some of you, if you've caught the last couple of weeks, you know we've talked about him. He was the one persecuting and killing Christians. He was the one holding the cloaks while Stephen was being stoned. Y'all remember that was the first week. Same guy. 
Then Jesus showed up in front of him on his way to Damascus to do the same thing. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Remember Saul's reaction? Who are you, Lord? Saul lost his sight for a few days, the Bible tells us. And the men around him, they couldn't see Jesus, but they could tell something was going on. Go read your text. And then Saul comes and he goes on into the city and then God calls another guy. Uh, What was it? Ananias, I believe. Is that the right name? Ananias. He said, Ananias, I need you to go and I need you to talk to Saul. What was Ananias' first question? God, isn't this the same guy that is come to kill and persecute you? Did you know, God, that he has a piece of paper in his hand saying he can arrest us and throw, like God didn't know that, right? That throw us into prison if we're speaking the name of Jesus. And God said, no, you need to go. He told, and what I like is how he talked to Saul when Saul was getting up with his blindness. He said, now get up, go into the city. I got something for you, amen? Gets there, Ananias shows up and delivers him. He gives him his sight because God appeared to Ananias in a dream. And Paul, or Saul, had seen in a vision as well who was gonna, that there was going to be a man and come and deliver him. Amen? And so Ananias shows up, delivers his sight. His sight is restored. Then all of a sudden, it does say that Paul hung out for a while. Go read your text. He sat under the disciples' teaching for a while. And he grew. But Paul was zealous. How many of y'all know Paul was zealous? He was ready to get it out there. He wanted to tell the world about Jesus. Amen? And so it freaked some people out. Is this guy legit? And then there was this guy named Barnabas. Remember that? Barnabas. And I do have the definition of his name. It was in this message. I was thinking last week. I did mention him last week. We're going to talk about what the name Barnabas means this morning as well. Because Barnabas had a big role in what Paul saw who became Paul. What he became. Amen? He was the one that was kind of the the one standing in between and saying, hey, guys, he's legit. I've seen him. I've seen what he's been doing. Right? We're going to talk about it today. Acts chapter 11, verse 19 is where we're going to be hanging out here this morning. Now those, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. I don't know if I said that right. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Today's topic, you might have noticed it in the video. First week we talked about belief. You got to get saved first. Get saved, get baptized, begin. That was the first topic of the first week. That is also the first step on our journey here at Next Level Freedom Church. Begin. Begin is salvation and baptism. This week, we're going to be continuing with part two of our second step on the journey, which is build. Last week, we talked about grow. You got to grow in your faith. And where did we say that happens? In the church? Y'all ain't listening. I'm, I'm looking for response. Out there, right? In your home time, in your private time. Remember we talked about it? The people that always have the excuse they're not being fed. The only one that needs someone to help feed them is babies. Because real men and women of God ought to be eating meat. They ought to be growing into meat. You can't sip on milk forever. Can you imagine bottle feeding Taylor or Jasmine or one of these 13-year-olds? Or one of these youth in the back? Can you imagine still bottle feeding? 
Same goes with our spiritual walk. We've got to grow. It's okay. There is a time when we are like a baby in the faith, all right? So don't get me wrong, and we will nurture you, and we will grow you, but there has to be growing taking place at home, not here, at home. But we have a thing we offer here called Growth Track. Growth Track is the way you become a member of Next Level Freedom Church. So you go through Growth Track. What really Growth Track is is discipleship training. That's what it is. It's a next step because what we talk about the first couple of weeks, too many churches nowadays, they got people that come and they get saved. They may even get baptized. Then they leave them out there hanging and they don't know where to go. We got to be making disciples. That's the other part of the Great Commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. A disciple has got to be trained. We talked about that last week as we talked about the topic of growing. This week we're going to be talking about serve. Serve. We're going to talk about serving. Amen? What was going on here with the passage we just read? These people, they were scattered when Stephen was killed. But then, they, however, they went on to these other cities, including Antioch, and began to speak also to the Greeks that would hear. Remember we said last week, don't waste your time with people who just want to argue. Tell your good news to the person that's going to receive the message and get saved so that they can tell someone else. If you're spending all your time arguing, you're not doing anything for the kingdom. And you're never going to win that argument. If all they want to do is argue, there's no winning. They're always going to have something to say. Amen? All right. So these people went out, and they began to tell the Greeks also. Remember it said it was just the Jews at first? They went to tell the Greeks as well about Jesus. And then it says, what did it say in verse 21? The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Service doesn't just happen here. It happens out there. We're going to talk about outreach next week. Right now, let's talk about serving in the house. Amen? Point number one, if you're taking notes this morning, is we must get out of our comfort zone and serve all people. Wait a minute. See, this society, ever notice this generation? They think they should be able to walk out with their college diploma and walk right to the top of the company. Y'all notice that? And it's the millennials. And the new Generation Z, they think they ought to go right to the top. How many of y'all know there is a training process? You need to start on the bottom and work your way up so that you understand how the business works. Same goes in the church. If you're an infant, you got to grow. It doesn't start with, you just can't stay where you're at. That's another problem in traditional churches. People don't grow. They're sitting there. And they haven't talked to anybody about Jesus in 50 years. Why? Because they got comfortable in church. We're told to go, go out, make disciples. First Peter tells us in chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. How many of y'all know we all got different gifts? There is something everyone in here that you can do that I can't do. There are people, let's just be real, there are people that you come into contact every day I'll never meet. They may never darken the door of a church, but you're in their path. Amen? And that goes for in here as well. We have guests coming in here. Let me just be real with you. Not all of them are going to stay. Not everybody is called to be a part of Next Level Freedom Church. 
That's just a reality I had to accept before I even launched. The only people I want there are the people that are called to be a part of this house. Amen. The rest of them, come on in. God bless them. We will nourish them. We will do whatever they need. We will pray over them. If they're not called to be about this house, they're not going to stay. We got to accept that reality. Not everybody's called to be a part of this church. Some are called to be a part of others. Some are called to plant their own churches. Let's go. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas. Here we go. Here's where Paul and Barnabas. Y'all heard about this. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done, and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. It says they sent Barnabas. One of our carlings in this house is to train up leaders and send them out. Whether they're missionaries, whether they're pastoring other churches that we're going to be planning in the future, whatever it is, we're called to send them out. That's what disciples and apostles and teachers and all of them should be doing. We should be getting them trained so they can go out and do what God has called them to do. Amen. Check out what the name Barnabas means. I thought this was cool, all right, because Barnabas is the one they sent to check on Paul, or Saul at the time, to see what was going on in Antioch, and Barnabas shows up, and he notices the grace of God and what he had been doing. Barnabas means the son of exhortation, son of prophecy, son of consolation. He's one that could persuade people, Amen? He persuaded people to follow Paul. Y'all realize Barnabas had a big part in who Paul became. What is exhortation? In the, in the dictionary, it says an address or communication empathetically urging someone to do something. What is exhortation? He is urging people. You need Jesus. He's a son of urging. He can get people to do it. What is empath? Oh, oh man, empathetically. I think I said that right. In a forceful way, without doubt, and clearly. So remember what his name means. Or actually, that was in the definition. That's why I wrote it. To address or communicate empathetically, urging someone to do something. That means in a forceful way, without doubt, clearly. There is no doubt in his mind that Jesus is the way to heaven. Amen. If you're a Christian, that should be no doubt in your mind. That God does exist, and Jesus is the only way to heaven. No matter what the world tells you, what did I tell you last week? In a world that will tell you there's gray areas, there's not. It's black and white. You either believe or you don't believe. That's it. There's no room for gray and doubt. God says if you're lukewarm, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. That means if you're trying to have one foot in the world and one foot out of the world and trying to make it work, it will not work. God's kingdom does not operate the way this world operates. Matter of fact, let's just be real. Government, all these things that's going on out here, those ideas came from God. His kingdom. Where'd the idea for government come? Go look, at, look up Moses sometime. Go look up Moses. His father-in-law came to him and was telling him, oh, what was his name? Started with a J. Can't think of it right now. He came to him. And he said, what you're doing is a bad thing because Moses was running millions of people by himself. 
He would stay up all day long, lined up people, thousands, millions, whatever it was, lining up, coming to Moses, telling him their problem. He would figure out their disputes. By the end of the day, he's tired. His family hasn't seen him. Nothing has happened. His father-in-law shows up and says, you know what you're doing? What you're doing is bad. He's like, here's what you need to do. You need to put some over thousands, some over fifties, some over hundreds. You need to spread out the authority. You train them up. That's what we do in an apostolic ministry. You train them up and they will help you judge. Amen. So he gives him this advice and it was good advice. And it lightened Moses' burden. How many of y'all know if Moses would have kept going the way he was doing, he probably, the stress may have led to severe health problems and he probably wouldn't have made it. He'd have died a lot sooner. But because someone was willing to give him wisdom, godly wisdom, and he followed and obeyed, he was able to do it. 2 Corinthians 4, chapters, or chapter 4, verses 4 to 6 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the Lord, glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I never gave you point number two. Point number two. (laughs) Skip that part. Point number two was serving is not about us. It's about showing God's love to others. You notice the scripture I just read? It's not about us. They said that they were doing it so God would shine, not them. That's something to keep in mind as you're witnessing to people. We're displaying not something we can do, but what Jesus can do. I'm not the healer. God is. Jesus is. I got a shirt. I can't wear it because it's shrunk in the dryer. But it says, pastors, not, oh, I don't remember what it said. Not the healer, but I can point you to the one who does or something something along those lines. That's it. That's all of us. We don't, we're not the one who does it. It's him. All I can do is point you to him. That's it. You got to go to him for that healing, for that glory, for that, for that thing that you're missing in your life. Let's go on to Acts chapter 11, verse 25. It says, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. I mean, y'all didn't know that was in the Bible. Remember I talked to you the last couple weeks? We were known as the way back then. It was a group of people that the rest of the world thought they were nuts. Let's just be real. However, they earned the name Christian in Antioch. That's what the Bible tells us. So that's why we are now called Christians, because point number three, serving leads to discipleship. If Paul and Barnabas had not been willing to go to Antioch, imagine how many people wouldn't have been saved. What did the verse say? A whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It's because those that are willing to go out there and tell the world about Jesus that's the ones that are making a difference. 
Mark chapter 10 says in verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. That's the opposite of what the world tells you. Notice the first verse. See, the Bible had that too. Y'all didn't realize that, some of you. It was talking about the Gentiles and the Romans there. It was talking about them exercising their authority, and they will make sure that you know they are in charge. Have y'all ever met people like that? They got to tell you that they're a leader. True leaders, we can see it. Not all these people were true leaders. They just, it said they took their authority and they lorded it over them. What did Jesus say about that? He said, that's not so with you. He said, if anybody wants to be great in my kingdom, you're going to serve. He said, you got to become a servant because true leaders are servants to the people. That's what we do. See, we've got this flip mindset in the world. We're after a title, right? If I can just get that title on my business card, I'll be good. We're after promotions, working our way up. Jesus said, no, you want to be a real leader? Serve. Serve the people, whoever you've been called to. Verse 44 says, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Wow. That is the opposite. What's the world tell you? You can just, if you want to watch mainstream news for a second, you can see this in action on the mainstream news. They're telling you what you ought to be. They're trying to force their authority on you. Y'all notice that. What Jesus say? Nope. If you want to lead, you got to be a slave to everybody first. That means doing whatever you're asked from your leaders, from God, right? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. You need an example. Jesus is the best one. Verse 45 said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus, being God in the flesh, if anybody had the right to exercise authority, he did. And he had the miracles to prove it. But what did he do? He didn't do that. He led by example and showed us, you serve. Christianity is the only religion that I'm aware of where God came to us, died for us, so that we could have a relationship with him. Go ahead and look at your other religions. They're reaching for God. But in Christianity... The real religion, if you want to call it that, about relationship, though, God came to us. Because without that sacrifice, there's no hope for us. Verse 27 of Acts 11, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Verse 29, the disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They, this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. 
Saul wouldn't soon be known as Paul. So what'd they do? Famine came. Y'all ever notice that? Look at the world around you. Disaster strikes. Who's the first ones to show up on the scene? Christians. My uncle was a part. I don't even remember what the organization's called. It was through the Baptist where they, relief, some sort of ministry where they would go. Hurricane victims, tornadoes, like earthquakes, those type of things. The first ones you see show up are the church. Atheists don't want nothing to do with that. They're trying to live up here. We recognize who's really in charge. It doesn't matter what's up here. We just want to serve the people. Notice how much worse this world would be without the church. Some of these disasters would have never been cleaned up. They sent Barnabas and Saul to give gifts in a time of famine. Point four is serving is about blessing others. It's never about you. It's never about us. It's always about them. Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The only way we're saved is by grace. What is grace? It's a gift from God. Serving is about blessing others. Jesus is the best example. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Some of y'all have been quoting that scripture since you were a kid because you memorized it in Sunday school. However, do you realize that scripture sums up your whole Bible in one verse? God loved us so much He sent a Savior. His name is Jesus. If God hadn't sent Jesus to serve us, guess what? There's no hope for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice and your service. So the next time you see yourself complaining because you're not rising up in ranks like you want to, look to Jesus. He wasn't worried about a rank. Who did Jesus visit? Not the same people the Pharisees did. Jesus went to the people that were sick. Remember that? He said, I didn't come for the well. I came to the sick. Those that are well don't need a doctor. It's the ones that are sick. See, the Pharisees' biggest problem and religion's biggest problem in this world today is they're all about who's got the most money, who can we please the most. Jesus didn't do that. He went to the prostitutes. Uh Uh-oh, this is God in the flesh. He went to the fishermen, the ones the world had rejected. He went to the tax collectors. Uh Uh-oh, some of y'all just don't like them in this world, right? Jesus didn't come. He came for the harlot, same as a prostitute. He came for the drug addict. He came for the drunk. He came for the people who are struggling. They're the ones that need Jesus, not those that think they're holier than thou and they think they've got it all together key word there they think they've got it all together that's called pride what does the bible say about pride pride comes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall that's what's wrong with the world you're living in let's get this thing wrapped up this morning acts chapter 12 verse 25 
When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Some of y'all may not realize, but that's the one who wrote the book of Mark. And I'm along the popular opinion, Mark was the first gospel written down for us to read. So what happened with Paul and Barnabas? They took time for John Mark and took him with them. That's discipleship. Let's show them how it's done. Not just tell them and then send them. Show them. That's why disciples have got to be trained. That's our big goal here at Next Level Freedom Church. We don't just send you out. There's training. There's a process to get to where you're going. Because point five, last point this morning, serving allows others to get involved. Without others getting involved, it'll fall apart. A leader should always be looking to the next generation. And in fact, my mentor told me, you should always be training someone to take your place. Because one day you're going to die. Or you're going to go home and be with Jesus, right? But if you go the way of the box, somebody's going to have to take on the mantle. You realize if they hadn't taken people under their wings in the Bible, we wouldn't be here today. We are standing on the shoulders of generations and generations of apostles, pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists. It's the ones that have gone before us that have brought us to this point. If we're not training the next generation, why do you think the devil's after your kids? Because if he can kill out the next generation, if he can get them to not believe and get them believing that God doesn't exist, and he can get them to believe all these false lies that the enemy has brought you, and he can kill a generation, then guess what? It's done. But here's the good news. It's never happened. Some of you look around at the generation like, well, this is just a mess. But guess what? Somebody's raising up. I'm standing before you. We've got youth coming behind us that are raising up. Y'all was, we all here Wednesday night. Some of you weren't here Wednesday night. Do you realize Wednesday night I didn't pray? Devin didn't pray? Nobody here that was a leader prayed for these people. Who did they do? The prophetess from down there in Dexter had the youth and the children praying over healing over people Wednesday night. That is why you will always hear me inviting others to pray for other people. Because it's about them. It's about them laying hands on the sick and they recover. See, unless they see it, they don't realize the power they've got. Unless you're telling them about it, they don't know about Jesus. That's why Zach, Samantha, and those involved with the youth have got such a big task ahead of them. It's one of the toughest jobs you'll ever love. I'll just take that from my daddy t-shirt, right? Fatherhood, one of the toughest jobs you'll ever love. Well, youth, pastor, one of the toughest jobs you'll ever love. Because anyone that's called to that position has a heart for those kids. Because they realize that's the next generation. So you need to be praying for your youth pastors. You need to be praying for your leadership in the church and the people that are coming in to the house. Serving allows others to get involved. That's how an apostolic ministry works. The other people. What we, you, if you've been through Grove Track, you already know this. The pastors are the administers. The people are the ministers. We're here to guide. We're here to direct. Yeah, we're going to be doing it ourselves. 
But you guys got to do it. The authority has been given to you to pray over the sick and they recover. Just like Jesus promised his disciples, all the things you've seen me do and more will you be able to do. And I say it all the time. Y'all realize Jesus walked on water. That's a pretty big thing to me. That was the first miracle I remember encountering as a kid, seeing a picture of Jesus walking on water. That's what drew me to the gospel. I was like, that guy's walking on, I want to do that, right? Now, I've never walked on water to this day. If God allows that, praise the Lord. Jesus and Peter are the only two that I've done it to my knowledge. Those magicians you see on TV, it's an illusion, right? Usually there's a piece of glass underneath the top of the water. They're not walking on water. The real miracle takes place with Jesus, amen? Let's wrap it up. Galatians chapter 6, last verse, verses 9 and 10. Here it is. You guys ready? Because we're talking about serving today, right? Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's an if in that statement. If we do not give up. Too many believers or so-called Christians are giving up before the harvest. They let the things of this world, the troubles of this world, sway them. I'm not going to go to the parable of the sower. That's what it talks about. Verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Too many churches are bickering and fighting about, let me just say it, stupid stuff. You can't say that, Pastor. It was in the Bible last week. I'm just telling you. We got churches fighting over the color of the carpet, and there's people dying and going to hell in that church, and they're worried about fighting over what color the carpet or what to paint the walls or what to do with the building. But there are people that come into those churches that are going to hell because nobody will tell them about Jesus. We'd rather call 15,000 business meetings and argue about every other thing except how many souls are we reaching in the church. Have y'all noticed our carpet? There is duct tape on our carpet. That shows you how concerned I am with the color of our carpet in this house. One, because this is only a temporary house. If you're tuning online, I don't know how long we'll be here. Temporarily, right now, we are at 1225 Oak Cape Road. You want to come and join us By all means, we would love you to join us here in Jackson, Missouri. And I just use that example because I've actually sat in business meetings where they fought about the color of the carpet for 30 minutes. Brett was there. Deacon showed up at my house. We were having Bible study on Wednesday nights. They wanted to chew us up and down because we weren't going to business meetings. So what we do, we showed up to a business meeting the next week. All we listened to was them fight about the color of the carpet. I had 30 to 40 kids at my house. I was telling about Jesus. And I wasted my time in a business meeting where we were fighting about everything except the most important thing. How many people in the church are knowing Jesus through what we are doing? Right. 
we don't have business meetings in this church. None that you guys know about anyway. The only people that talk about business is me and the board. That's it. There's a reason for that. Leadership is limited. Bible talks about it. My pastor mentioned it. I'm, I'm getting ready to close, I promise. There cannot be, there is one vision for every house. There can only be one vision. That is your lead pastor's vision for the house. You're either on board or you're not. If you're not, God bless you. Go find the church where you are on board with. Because here's what he said. If there are two trying to have vision in the house, that's what you call die vision. Die means two. Two visions. There can't be two visions. Not in one house. That's why so many churches are falling apart, closing their doors. We want to argue about stupid stuff. How about we talk about Jesus? How about we come together and talk about what we can agree on? Jesus Christ is Lord. No one else. There's no other way to heaven. There is one way. If you're tuning with us online this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. Woo, praise the Lord. Anybody getting anything out of this? It's called the journey of faith for a reason because faith is a journey, not a destination. You're going to hear me say that over and over in this series. It's the first words in the video. We never reach it. We're pressing on toward it, though. Amen? If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you're tuning online, or if you're here and you've never received Christ as your Savior, it's as simple as asking. You simply ask, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen. You prayed that prayer, you meant it from the bottom of your heart. I'm here to say welcome to the family of God. I congratulate you, and I welcome you to God's family. Your next step is you need to get baptized, and you need to find you a church home where they're making disciples. I said it earlier, if you want to join us here, 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri, is our current address. I believe in the near future that's going to be changing. We're going to outgrow this facility quick. But that's where we're currently at. We'd love to meet you and your family, pray with you about whatever needs you've got going on in your life. If you prayed the prayer of salvation with us just then and you receive Christ as your Savior, it's not about words. It's about receiving him. It's about repenting. It's about turning from your ways and receiving Christ as your Savior and letting him be Lord of your life. That's really what it's about. The words mean nothing without your heart changing. But if you want to join us, we're here. We'd love to pray with you about anything you got going on in your life. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining with us online. We'll see you next week.